When I read the report, it said tattoos, none were found. And I'm like, wait a minute, my son had tattoos. So now you're telling me that animals came and removed his organs. Were these animals smart enough to go and remove the tattoos as well? For my son to have been found with his shoes, his socks, shorts, fully dressed and remarkably intact, and you want me to believe that animals killed my son. You know, I don't know how many others it's gonna happen to, but for me, it's the most painful thing ever I've been through in my life. How long was he out in the desert? He was missing from me for 74 days before I got a phone call that he was found remarkably intact with no organs. How long was he out there? You have undetermined manner, undetermined cause of death. But to me, it feels like murder. It feels like someone took my son, killed him, and took his organs out. My son could not have taken his own organs out of his body. It's impossible. Something happened. And for his body not to be strewn about, if animals did this, this just doesn't add up. And don't think that this is a joke and this can't happen to you. It can happen to you. Please don't just brush it off. Somebody, I need help to find out what happened to my baby boy. Brian Singleton was just a boy from Atlanta, Georgia that dreamed of hitting the big time and becoming a star. And at the age of 21, he and a group of friends who shared similar dreams moved to LA and almost instantly hit the jackpot. Brian started getting modeling gigs left and right. He was being invited to exclusive events, hanging out with stars, and living out everything he had ever dreamed. Then all of a sudden, things took an unexpected turn. And within the next year, Ryan would meet a sudden and horrific death. Strange circumstances and weird behavior preceded Ryan's death, and now makes many question if there were more nefarious actions that led to Ryan's demise. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. In 2013, two joggers were out in a small town somewhere in California. No, I'm just kidding. It's on the, near the Nevada state line. It's called Baker. Just a small desert town. I think uh, one of their biggest uh, draws is a alien beef jerky gas station that you can see from the Interstate 15. I've actually been there myself. And it's always jog- joggers that find these people, right? Always damn joggers. But they made a gruesome discovery. It was the body of a man that had decomposed severely. The men immediately notified authorities as they knew a man had been reported missing in the area recently. Those remains would later be positively identified as 24-year-old up-and-coming model Ryan Singleton, who had disappeared 74 days earlier and only less than two miles away from that exact location. So how did he end up in the middle of the desert, missing his eyes, his heart, his kidneys, and his lungs. Ryan had a very short but very eventful life. After living in L.A. for a while, Ryan made a quick and surprising move to New York City. Then another big change followed, and it was just as sudden and surprising. 
In July of 2012, Ryan married stylist to the stars, Keith Brewster, who was more than 20 years his senior. He was 47. According to Ryan's mother, Iris Flowers, who you heard in the beginning of this episode, this was very shocking, as she did not know he was dating anyone at all. But apparently, they had been dating for about a month. Doesn't seem like long enough to get married. But hey, love is love. She was also upset that even though there was a private wedding ceremony, she wasn't even invited. In fact, none of Ryan's family was at the wedding. However, it seemed the honeymoon was short-lived. According to Ryan's mom, within a few months, he was calling saying they were having problems. And by February of 2013, Ryan had moved back to Atlanta to stay with his mother once again. Then in July of 2013, Ryan took a trip back to L.A. to visit with friends. He departed on July 6th and told his mother he would be returning just three days later on the 9th. When Ryan landed in L.A., he rented a car and drove from L.A. to Las Vegas, which was about a four-hour drive. The easiest route is straight up the I-15, which, of course, is the route Ryan took. He spent the weekend traveling through the Vegas area and New Mexico and Arizona, then headed back to L.A. on the 9th. His mother spoke with him before he left Vegas and ended up wiring him $100 for gas money. Miss Flowers said she wired the money and then called Ryan to give him the information and couldn't get in touch with him on the phone or by text. Ryan ended up broke down on the I-15, just an hour and a half outside of Vegas, miles short of a small town called Baker, California, which is known for the world's largest thermometer, which gets used quite a bit there, and some awesome alien jerky, as I alluded to earlier. Now, I've visited Baker a few times, on my way to California, as I used to, I used to live in Southern Nevada, and it's made up of a handful of stores on one strip of road in the middle of nowhere, in one of the hottest areas of the Mojave, Death Valley. If you're unfamiliar with Death Valley, or for some reason you don't get the idea by the name, the average temperatures there in July, which is when Ryan went missing, are around 108 degrees. For instance, just a few days ago, temperatures there hit 130 degrees. So yeah, pretty intense out there. So anyways, after he broke down, Ryan was picked up by a California highway patrolman. The patrolman tries to help Ryan locate his car, since he's been walking for some time. They drive up and down the 15 trying to locate the vehicle, but can't find it. Many wonder why or how this is possible, and I have a possible explanation. You see, Ryan's car was located the very next day, just three miles north of the area he and the highway patrolman searched. When Ryan was picked up, I believe he had walked a little further than he thought he did, which is very possible since everything in the desert appears closer than it really is. I can, I can attest to that for sure. <laughs> this is one of the first things I noticed from moving to North Carolina to Nevada, I had never even seen the desert before that move, and I had no idea. But it's the way of the desert. Since he'd been walking for apparently some time, at least long enough to lose sight of his car, he may have already started to dehydrate also. Remember, this is the middle of July. 
As there are conflicting testimonies as to his behavior and whether or not he was intoxicated, I believe that he had started to dehydrate. For instance, the highway patrolman didn't notice anything off about Ryan. He didn't notice, he didn't say that Ryan was was spacey or incoherent in any way. He seemed very together, very there, very present. So, the highway patrolman drives him to an Arcos gas station in Baker, where Ryan calls a friend in LA and asks him to come pick him up. And the friend says, sure, just wait for me there. That was the last time anyone heard from Ryan. Three hours later, around 6 p.m., the friend found no sign of Ryan when he arrived at the gas station. So he leaves Baker, heads back to L.A., and files a missing persons report. Like I said before, Ryan's rental car was recovered the next day in Barstow County, but still no sign of Ryan. Ryan had been missing for 74 days before they discovered his body, which was severely decomposed, as he had been exposed to extreme conditions, obviously. I mean, not to mention the wildlife. Ryan's body was found less than two miles from the gas station he had been dropped off at, and just 200 yards off an outlying street in Baker. His autopsy provides little closure for his family, as the cause and manner of death were classified as undetermined, of course. Almost all physical evidence had been destroyed by the elements, and when he was found, there was very little left of Ryan to examine at all, which complicated things a lot. Ryan's body, though intact, was found mutilated, and much of his internal organs were missing. Ryan's remains weighed only 50 pounds when they were recovered, and that's saying something, as Ryan was six foot four. So even a thin person at six foot four would probably weigh close to 200 pounds. He was missing portions of skin all the way down to the bone. His chest cavity was empty, and the flesh he had had already started to mummify. He was found wearing his socks, shoes, and shorts. He was also missing tattoos. His autopsy noted no tattoos, and his mother claimed that he had several. He had one behind his ear and one on a shoulder. I think his left shoulder. This still could be animal activity. As I mentioned, large areas of skin were missing. It's not like these tattoos were, were just traced out with a, with a blade of some sort, and that piece of the skin was removed. Lots of skin was missing as Ryan could have been laying in the desert for two months. I mean, his body wasn't found two months later, and if he passed that day that he went missing, he could have been laying out there decomposing for, for two months. Now, as you probably gathered from listening to Ryan's mother at the beginning of this episode, she believes that something more sinister is going on. Um, she believes this was a little more than just an unfortunate accident, which is not too far-fetched as there is a note in the autopsy explaining he could have had a hemorrhage, but this too was not conclusive. She believes he may have been targeted, and maybe his organs were harvested for sale on the black market? Um, and that's a possibility. On the black market, a kidney can be worth over 160 grand, 
with most of the proceeds taken up by the middlemen. The typical price paid to donors on the black market is thought to be about $5,000. But some donors receive as little as 1000 Who is selling their kidney for $1,000? Jesus, you must be in a tight spot. But Ryan's mother believes that it's more than possible that something sinister was going on. And to be honest, I sure as hell don't blame her for being suspicious. Because Ryan's estranged husband, Mr. Brewster, called her the day Ryan went missing. Ryan told his mother not to tell Mr. Brewster where he was, but since she couldn't get in touch with Ryan, she was worried and told him Ryan had headed back out west. Then Brewster told Miss Flowers that her son was in danger. She claims she never got an explanation, and still that conversation haunts her and makes her suspicious as something did happen to Ryan. Now, as of 2020, Ryan's case is still open, but is now a cold case with so many questions unanswered. His family, including his estranged husband, Brewster, have said they are dedicated in finding who did this to Ryan. Although reports say that Brewster and Ryan's mother have had a falling out lately. According to Flowers, Ryan's mother, Brewster has blocked her from the investigation. And she said she does not have the financial means to hire an attorney and just wants to know what happened to her son. Now, to me, that's very suspicious. Why would he block her from the investigation? If he wants to find out what happened to Ryan, if he truly cares about Ryan, why would he block out his mother? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's, that is very suspicious. I mean, I was suspicious at first just knowing how their whole wedding happened. One month seeing each other, all of a sudden they're married, and then none of Ryan's family is invited. Super fishy, right? So what happened to Ryan? Was Ryan a victim of the elements? Was he targeted for his organs? Did a stranger pick him up? Did he wander off in a drug, alcohol-fueled fugue state? Uh, we don't know. Did Ryan's estranged husband really know he was in danger? And how? Or was that just a lie that he made up? That occurred to me later on. When I first heard this fact, that his estranged husband called Ryan's mother and said, Ryan may be in danger, I thought, hmm, that's really fishy. Maybe there is something going on. Maybe someone was after Ryan. But then I thought, maybe he just wanted to know where Ryan was. And he knew that if he told his mother that he might be in danger, she would tell him Ryan's location. I don't know. Spitballing here. But that seems very, very fishy. Now, as far as the organ harvesting... um. What you'll find is people who harvest organs, uh, if, you, if you go on the internet, obviously, I don't know this from personal experience, um, then it's mostly clean cuts, right? It's clean, severed cuts. Uh, the organs have to be harvested immediately and preserved in order to be of any use. Now, that's not saying that this didn't happen. That's not saying that this couldn't have happened. But at this point, or even at the point when Ryan's body was found, it was already too late to tell any of that. 
For all we know, someone could could have very well killed Ryan, took him, you know, just two miles away from this gas station. Now, just two miles away from this gas station is out in the middle of the desert, okay? This is a very small town. The, the closest road to him was on the very outskirts of the town of Baker. I just want to make that clear. This was a pretty good distance from the gas station. Why would Ryan walk around, especially to the outskirts of the town, of a town he didn't know when he's waiting on somebody. Now, he does have he does have three hours to burn. So maybe he thought, I'll walk out here, go check this town out, burn some time, maybe meet some locals, whatever, hang out. I don't know. I think that's very optimistic, and that's, that's also very strange um, for someone to do in such a small town as well. Because typically, you know, small towns are a little more close-knit, right? Not quite as open to strangers. Because they're not used to them as much. Although Baker, right off the I-15, I'm sure gets their share of tourists at the uh, Alien Beef Jerky store and whatnot. But being being out there, it's just his whole... Every, all the evidence was ruined. Now, there was a hemorrhage to the brain. It said his brain was bleeding. But that could have happened after death. In the autopsy, they, they could not determine whether that happened before or after death. But it's just his location of the body. That is what is so, it's so damning for me. Like that's, that's what screams foul play to me is the, the location. Um, I feel like if Ryan would have died of dehydration or exhaustion, um, out in the desert, I feel like he would have done it, um, I don't know. I don't want to say closer to the gas station, but I feel like he probably would have done it before he was even taken to the gas station when he was walking down the I-15 for miles before he flagged down a state trooper or before a state trooper found him or whatever happened and occurred there. I feel like that would be the time when he would be dehydrated. And hopefully this police officer gave him some water or he was able to get water um, at the gas station. Now, I do know that he was very short on cash because his mother was wiring him $100, which apparently he did not receive. So maybe he was flat broke at that time, out there in the desert, no car, no money, cell phone maybe dead. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand that. There's just so many questions to this case that I'm afraid will never get answered because of the because of the decomposition of the body, because of where all this took place, and even investig- even like experienced investigators and scientists, they have said that the only way that this case will be moved forward is if somebody comes out, or if there's some sort of footage, some sort of security camera footage, or maybe cell phone footage, or just a, a testimony from somebody that saw Ryan, maybe saw him get into a car with somebody, or maybe saw him walking around out there in Baker. I don't know. Other than that, it's very hard to see this case ever, ever picking up any steam again. But it is an open case. It's cold, but it's open. So there is hope for Ryan yet. Because I, I just refuse to believe that Ryan just wandered out there. Now, I know it's hot. And dehydration, 
can make you delusional. I know. But there were just too many resources there. I honestly think if you if you stumble into a gas station in the middle of the desert and you are dehydrated, I hate to think that no one would give you a bottle of water. Now, there were no, no bottles or drinks or anything of, or trash of any kind located near Ryan when his body was found. But again, like I said, two months in the desert, it's very windy in the desert. If there, he had anything with him, very likely it blew away or was carried away by animals. So this is the case of Ryan Singleton. I, I wanted to cover it. Um, now, it has gotten more publicity uh, than a lot of cases of this nature. Uh, his mother, and that's uh, you know a big thanks to his mother. You see this time after time, um, cold cases, missing persons cases. The mother, it's it has a lot to do with her and her willingness to to put this story out there, to put herself out there. And his mother is doing the very best she can. She's been on Doctor Oz. She's been on numerous news interviews um, in Atlanta and also in um, Nevada and California area. So she is out there. She's doing her part. At least, at least she was. I don't know. I'm sure this this weighs on her, and she can't keep up that the pace at which she was spreading his story at the beginning. But nonetheless, she deserves answers. She does. This mother deserves answers. Ryan's family deserves answers. His friends deserve answers. Speaking of his friends, his friends that went out with him to L.A., which I mentioned at the beginning, they are all in the film industry. And they are in the process of making a documentary about Ryan, which should be very interesting because his success in this short time was pretty unbelievable. Very talented dude. He had the size. He had the looks. He had the build. He had it going on. And that could make a lot of people jealous. It really could make a lot of people envious. And who knows, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about selling organs on the black market, especially young black men. It's out there. There's a, there's a strong case for that as well. There was a young man who went missing, or not went missing, but was killed in the same year, 2013, same year as Ryan. He was in Atlanta, Georgia. Ryan was from Atlanta. Um, but I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, Kendrick Johnson, a young man who was found uh, rolled up in a in like a mat in a gymnasium, and he was obviously dead. He had an impact wound to his neck, and at some point in time, between when his body was removed from the gymnasium and before it was put in the ground, his organs were removed as well. And his torso was actually filled with newspaper, believe it or not. Now, according to my research, his organs wouldn't have been any good at this point um, because of the time of death and when he was found. So that is, that is strange. That is very strange. Um, and also, to fill a body with newspaper, really? You couldn't find anything else? Like, you don't have any. I don't think that's a typical embalming technique. Um, but I'm no coroner. But anyways, back to Ryan, guys. This this is a real brain scratcher, for sure. It really is. I would love to hear your opinions. 
Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts, your theories. Um, but for now, let's hear Lauren's theory in this week's Lauren's Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained, the very bizarre death of Ryan Singleton, a model and aspiring movie maker who, in 2013, took a trip to L.A. to try and jumpstart his career. Um, and while in L.A., he did what a lot of people in L.A. do. He rented a car and took a drive to Vegas because it's only three and a half hours away, and there's so much fun to be had here in Vegas. As you know, I'm a local here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he rents the car and he heads out to Vegas, has some fun, and Three days later, it was July 6th, he rented the car, July 9th, three days later, he had his fun, was headed back, and the car broke down in basically Death Valley, one of the hottest parts of the country, Um, and this is July, so it's sweltering hot. Um, He then begins to walk from his car and is picked up by HP, a police officer um, of the California Highway Patrol, picks him up. And he's dis- he's disoriented, it seems. He doesn't know where his car is, even though he left it not too long before. And I think it's possible there was, you know, there's talk that maybe he was on some sort of substance. Maybe he was still hungover from his fun that he had in, in uh, Vegas. I also think it's very possible that he was disoriented from the heat. It gets, I mean, you, you're, you it gets up to like in the 120s in the Mojave Desert in Death Valley um, out there. And so it was very possible that he was uh, on the verge of a heat stroke. He might have been dehydrated from a weekend of drinking in Vegas and was having a heat stroke or something along those lines. And it's very easy to get disoriented in the desert like that. You know, there's a reason people say they, you know, you can see mirages and things like that. That's a very strong possibility to me. And nonetheless, the police said that they, the police officer that picked him up said, said nothing about him seeming to be, um, on any kind of substances or anything like that, but he was, um, in fact, unable to find his car. So the police officer took him to a nearby gas station um, in in California in Baker, and he was supposed to call his friend, and he he ends up calling his friend. The call is made, but his friend is still like three hours away. So he has to wait, and he unfortunately does not wait at the gas station. He makes a purchase, probably a drink or something, and begins, I'm thinking, to walk back to his car where he never makes it. And once again, I'd say not a good idea to walk, to just take off and walk on foot in, in these conditions when you're talking triple digits um, and your cars, who knows how far away. He should have stayed at the gas station, obviously. Um, that being said, there's definitely a possibility of foul play. So he easily could have gotten in someone's car for a ride and things could have gone badly. And person, I mean, there was, I know there was a skull fracture found when he was found. So you cut to two months later in September, um, over two months. It's been over two months, and you have to also consider that this is it's it's August in Death Valley in the Mojave Desert. It's like I said, one you know probably in the one twenties for uh, Fahrenheit for temperature. And um, his body is discovered by a couple of hikers. 
And there's a lot of talk and a lot, a lot made about the fact that his organs were missing and his eyeballs. And to me, it's, it's kind of a, it would be more surprising if the organs were there, to be frank. You're talking two months of being out in the middle of the desert in that sort of heat. And with the, with scavengers, you're, you're you know, it's, you're going to get ravens and uh, crows and you're going to get coyotes that are going to pick at the body. And I understand people say, well, if there was coyotes that the, the skeleton would have been scattered. It was only two months. I think had it been six months or a year, you would have seen the skeleton being taken apart and scattered. And I don't think that it's made clear enough. I feel like the, the, the articles are kind of said in a way that are kind of made to kind of fuel conspiracies. It's like all oh, the organs and the eyeballs were missing, but I, I promise you the rest that the rest of his flesh was also missing. I, I, if, if his organs were missing, I'm sure the meat on his arms was either, and his legs was either uh, deteriorated to where it was basically gone, or it was, it was also eaten off. Um, I don't think we're talking about some sort of a satanic ritualistic type of thing. I know there was talk about him supposedly being at this, I've never heard of the spirit cooking thing. And I'm sure Michael talked about it because it was all over the comment sections and any videos about this guy, um, spirit cooking, which is a weird rabbit hole to go down. Um, yet another thing connected to the Clintons, um, Satanism and all that, all that weird stuff. Um, and he supposedly he's at some party with a, a really eccentric, uh, artist named Martina Marina Abramovic. I had never heard of her either. I looked into her a little bit and there's some very odd parties that she hosts undoubtedly with, uh, you know, blood and all kinds of weird stuff going on. But I just, it, the, the supposed picture of him that was at one of Marina's parties, to me, I looked at the picture compared to him and it, did, it looked nothing like him. Facially, the structure of his face looked nothing like the guy that was, um, for whatever bizarre reason, was kind of like tied to a tree and had uh, makeup on. I looked and the nose didn't look like his nose. I don't know. I just, I didn't buy that. And I think it's also been debunked. Um, I think it's made clear that it's not him at this point. So I, I, I think the, the the organ thing is kind of misleading. It's it, To me, it's kind of like, yeah, of course, when you're left, when a corpse is left in the Mojave Desert in August for two months, through August and, uh, in, you know, and into September, of course, it's going to get picked apart by, you know, different uh, predators and scavengers, of course. It just, it only makes sense. So um, to me, I think there's two possibilities. I think he took off on foot. He got disoriented from the heat. He was possibly dehydrated from a weekend in Vegas and drinking and whatnot. Got disoriented, staggered off into the desert, not knowing where he, where he was, where he was going, and he collapsed out there and died. Or he was he accepted a ride from somebody who, for whatever reason, killed him. And that, you know the, the the skull fracture thing I found to be odd. And I know that there's been pathologists and stuff that have kind of put a reason to that they say that like that's due to drying out of the skull from the from the sun and whatnot and it could have cracked like that but in two months seems unlikely um i know they were able to recover some of the brain tissue and supposedly there was traces of amphetamines i, I don't know i don't know how much i buy that he was you know tripping on any kind of drugs or anything like that like i said i think it's you could trip plenty from just one one uh, kind of walking through the desert like that um, so yeah, I think it's tragic. Um, and I, I, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever know the truth at this point. You know, the, the skull thing definitely kind of made me wonder. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I think anything, anything's possible except for the whole satanic, uh, him being harvested for his organs and whatnot. I don't buy that at all. I just think when someone dies and their body's out in the desert in the middle of August and in the Mojave desert, it's gonna, that stuff's gonna happen. 
So yeah, that's my thoughts. I hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll see you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you very much. Excellent synopsis as always. I love it when Lauren mentions things and he says, I'm sure Michael talked about it and I didn't. Isn't that great? But let me defend myself, okay? Let me defend myself. The reason I did not talk about that whole thing is because I had the exact same opinion of the picture at the party. I looked at it and I was like, that's not Ryan. That's obviously not Ryan. And I dismissed it right away. Now, I... Now, I did talk about how the harvesting of organs could be possible, and I still believe that, but I do not think it was any type of satanic ritual or something like that around it. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I don't think it was famous people in Hollywood and whatnot harvesting his organs. I don't think it was anything like that. I think if someone did take his organs, um, it it was just to sell them on the black market. I mean, I think it's simple as that, Um, but, but I think that is... That is way down on my list um, of theories, honestly. Um, the number one theory that I get from this, and when you when you just look at the facts, when you look at what you have, you look at the time that he spent in the desert, and Lauren is right. Um, I, I think that he just wandered out. I think he got dehydrated. Um, and you can you can become quite delusional in that heat. You know, 108 degrees, it could that's the average. For that time of year, it could have been much hotter. Like I said, here in August, um, just recently, it reached 130 degrees. That's insane. 130 degrees, you can't breathe. You can't breathe. So uh, that's the case. That's the case of Ryan Singleton. Um, if anything new comes up, I will do my best to update you guys. Um, if you guys find anything new on Ryan Singleton, please let me know. Um, you can reach out to me. Um, at Sandu Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, or Strange and Unexplained on Facebook, or you can send me an email at sandupodcast at gmail.com. So guys, I want to thank you so much for listening and for supporting the show. And if you'd like to support the show a little further, you can go to patreon.com slash sandupodcast. And there you can make a monthly donation to the show and you get access to all of these episodes early, four days early to be exact, on Thursday. And you also get access to two other shows that I do. One being Strange Shorts, um, where I cover just strange off-the-wall crimes. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're just bizarre. Um, But either way, there's not quite enough for a full episode. So I put them under Strange Shorts, naturally. And then also I have a show called The Palate Cleanser. The Palette Cleanser Podcast is a show where you can clear your mind from all the true crime intake that I'm sure you experience. But if Patreon is not for you, no big deal. Another great way to help the show is to go leave a review on wherever you listen, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, um, wherever you listen. If it's eligible, if if you're able to leave a review, rather, please do. It helps the show greatly, as well as subscribe and tell your friends, right? So we got a few new reviews uh, this week. I want to give a big shout to T-Buck501, left a five-star review, said good stories, nice narration, and thanks for getting Lauren's theme stuck in my head. Yeah, man, that Lauren's synopsis. It's a, it's a killer. It's a little earworm. Uh, also want to give a thanks to Mdotrock, uh, said this podcast slaps five stars. 
Just listen to the podcast. If you made it to the review page, you can obviously see it's more than worth worth your time, right? Well, I don't know, um, Mdotrock, because some people go to the review page and leave bad ones. So there's that too. Uh, But thank you for leaving a good one. You're awesome. Also, Diamond Dog 2014, five-star review. The fire emojis, very interesting topics and great show. Thank you very much. And also, C1M... 2s5 uh said great podcast five stars absolutely love this podcast um the stories are great and you can tell the host cares about these stories which i do thank you very much we appreciate that very much and i also got another review from the uk awesome from across the pond uh shafazetto oh i like that name shafazetto uh said can anyone recommend any podcast as good as this because i'm up to date on this sadly well, Shafazetto, you are in luck because I can recommend a fantastic podcast for you. And it's this one. Oh, hey there. You like true crime stories, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Who doesn't? But I gotta admit, after a while, all those stories of murder and heartache, well, they tend to go straight to my hips. So that's why I, Leroy Luna, have created a podcast called Excuse Me, That's Illegal, where we'll take a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. No TED Talks on Bundy here. The letters BTK won't be coming from these lips. Unless he had a brother that used to steal library books. Suppose I'd be willing to go balls deep into that one if that were the case. Anyways, you'll hear stories such as the Mad Pooper, a female jogger who wreaked havoc in a Colorado Springs neighborhood, using one family's front yard as her own personal dumping grounds. If this kind of content sounds like it's up your alley, excuse me, that's illegal. Is available right now on all your favorite podcatchers. So come join me. I'll be right here waiting for you. I'm on my way, Leroy. And you should too. Because his show is freaking amazing. Okay? That's no exaggeration. It's a fantastic show. Well written. Very funny. Great premise. I love everything about it. So guys, check that out wherever you listen as well. It's called Excuse Me that's illegal. Well, guys, that's all I got for you. Again, thanks for stopping by, and uh, I'll see you next week. And remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger. <laughs>